When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Hello there. Welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 316 of Sustainable Minimalists. On today's show, we are exploring the secret behind a balanced life which of course is moderation in all things and at all times. There comes a point, we all know it to be true, when there is too much of a good thing. If you're listening at or near release date, Halloween is right around the corner. This is a binge fest holiday. (laughs) So let's talk about eating candy for a hot minute. If you eat and eat and eat all the Snickers, all the Reese's, all the Kit Kats, You are feeling great. The sugar is coursing through your veins. You are just so thrilled to be eating such yummy things. And then your stomach starts to hurt. You might feel physically sick. You may feel internally all sorts of ways. Maybe you're feeling guilty for eating so much candy. But the point here is that anything, whether it's Halloween candy or something else, when enjoyed in excess becomes miserable, even the good things in life. And researchers graph this phenomenon as an upside-down U. So think of the letter U and then turn it upside down so that the curvy part is at the top. The effects of any experience are more and more and more positive until you reach a state of maximum arousal. That's a science term. I'm going to use the term, the point of no return. And then that's at the top of the U when maximum arousal, when the point of no return starts to go back down and become more and more negative. Here's another example. It also has to do with eating, but we are not talking about eating today. Really quick, think about eating and exercise. I call this the pendulum swing. Life on the pendulum is not so fun. It happens when I start my day with a really great and hard and long workout, and I'm feeling so good with myself. Then later in the day, I feel as though I'm justified to have not one dessert, but maybe two or three desserts. That's the pendulum swing. So I work out extra hard. I eat extra food. Why would I not just exercise less and eat less dessert? That sounds so simple, doesn't it? But it's so much harder to practice. Now, of course, quick disclaimer. For some of us, there is a time and there is a place for extremism. I'm talking to those of us who struggle with drugs or alcohol or cigarettes for addictive habits Completely abstaining can be the right choice. 
But for all the other aspects of living, the ones we're talking about today, the middle is where we want to be. And so on today's show, we are discussing what it looks like to sit in moderation in four very specific areas. We are talking about spending. We're talking about interpersonal communication, home-related things, so cleaning, tidying. And then finally, we're talking about moderation with regard to feeling the full range of human emotions. So that's what we're doing today. Let's talk about the middle for a moment. The middle is where we want to be. And if you're not sure you believe me, I'm going to give you a couple examples. In child development, there is a phenomenon called the Goldilocks effect. So remember Goldilocks from our childhood? Goldilocks went into a bear's house. One bed was too big, one was too small, one was just right. So the Goldilocks effect occurs when infants naturally tune into experiences that are neither too simple nor too complex. So just right, just in the middle. Marketers know the idea of the golden mean. When presented with a product that's offered at a low, a medium, or a high price point, marketers know that shoppers typically tend to pick the product that's offered at the medium price, in the middle. There's even a popular saying that glorifies the middle. When there's an argument between two people, the truth lies in the middle. I'm going to give you a couple more examples here. Let's go way, way back to Aristotle. Aristotle argued that when we have too little expression of a certain personality trait or too much of that trait, it's a no-no. So let's use courage, for example, as an example. Too little courage, you're a coward. Too much courage, you're reckless. Social scientists find the same thing if you are too cheerful. So we tend to think about cheerfulness as a positive character trait, don't we? But if you have too much cheerfulness, you will likely earn lower salaries than your cohorts, and you may also live a shorter life because overly cheerful people often tend to be risk takers. Who knew? Similarly, if you have too much self-esteem, so again, Having self-esteem is generally a good thing, but if you have too much of a good thing, too much self-esteem is associated with problems at work, problems with relationships, and problems with your own physical and emotional health. So if Aristotle doesn't convince you, how about a modern pop song? There is a very wise song. Maybe you've heard it. It's my eight-year-old's one of her favorite songs. It glorifies the beauty of the middle. It's by Zed. I really don't want to sing it for you. I'll just say it's all about meeting you in the middle. Let's just stop there because I can't sing and it won't be pretty if I do. So I hope I convinced you that the middle is the sweet spot. Despite the fact that the middle is the sweet spot, our culture glamorizes extremes. Think about American politics for a minute. That's like the number one example that comes to my mind. Binge watching television. Now we're no longer content with just, um, you know, watching a show a week. Now we binge watch. Keyword there being binge watch. We watch to extreme. There's a persistent message in our culture. You can never have too much money. There's not such a thing as being too wealthy. 
I do believe this one's changing, hopefully, but in decades past, for women, you can never be too thin. I do hope and think that one's slowly changing, but let's take this a step further. We have evolved as human beings to be extreme. We have evolved to see things in black and white rather than in grays. If you have to make a life or death decision in a split second, blunt categories, fight or flight, for example, stay or go, scream or play dead, (laughs) extreme categories are very useful. And even, so that's a high stakes situation, but even in low stakes situations, Thinking in extremes does benefit us. When we put people into categories, that's way more efficient. It's simpler. It preserves mental energy. Conversely, when we think about nuances, that's mentally taxing. And so extreme labels, you're either this or this. We're going to do this or this. Those extreme labels are quick. It's a one and done decision. Let's move on. So yes. Our culture does value the extremes, but I am of the belief that in addition to that, many of us have personalities that tend to favor black versus white. I am one of those people with one of those personalities. I've said before on the show, I am a zero to Oprah type of gal. I'm either 100% in or I'm all the way out. Generally, in my mind, there's either right or wrong. If there's an argument, one person's right, one person's wrong. And I have really been trying to work on training myself to not only see the gray, but being okay with hanging out in the gray, with accepting that there are indeed nuances in life, and nuances are what makes life interesting. But again, all of that is hard work for me. And If that sounds right to you, if you also struggle with black and white thinking and you know your Enneagram, well, just know that type eights, which is me, and also type ones and type sevens when sevens are in stress tend to resort to black and white thinking. So there is a personality component here as well. We're going to move on to Sweden, and I'm so excited because There is a Swedish idea, and it is called lagom. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. I did listen to YouTube videos telling me how to pronounce this word. The word is lagom. What on earth is lagom? Lagom, in Swedish, translates literally into just the right amount. Lagom means knowing when enough is enough. It is in trying to find moderation in all areas of life. So not consistently grasping for more and more and more, more friends, more money, more stuff, more status. No, no, no. It's in understanding that the beauty, the balance lies in the gray. So it's not too much, not too little, just the right amount. It's a modern take on an old philosophy that reveres balance in every area of life. Now, again, this is not a new philosophy. This is rooted in Hindu and Buddhist roots. Humans do have a tendency to crave more and more, and craving leads to misery. We've known this for centuries. However, Lagom is a new take 
on that old idea. Lagum is that feeling of contentment we all get when we have everything we need and we're comfy. Lagum is not private jets and mansions and fame, but it's also not homelessness and hunger either. It is simply nothing more and nothing less than striving for a roof over your head and food in your belly and friends who've got your back and just enough money in your pockets. So it's all of that. And it's also understanding that all of that is plenty. There's no more striving for more once you've reached enough. Now, a couple, couple more things on Lagum here because I love the concept so much. Do you remember when back a, I don't know, a decade ago perhaps here in the U.S., the Danish idea of Huga really blew up? I'm hoping Lagum is the next thing. And Lola Ackerstrom, she is the author of the book titled Lagum, The Swedish Recipe for Living with Less and Being Happy, argues that there are five precursors to practicing lagum. So we're going to talk about lagum and moderation with regard to communication, emotions, house stuff, and spending in a moment. But before we can do that, we need to all get our heads right with regard to the five precursors we need before we attempt to practice a life of moderation. So according to Lola, the five precursors are number one, you have to have a positive attitude. So you have to generally look on the bright side of life. You can't strive for enough if you are a negative Nelly. Okay, so you got to be positive. Number two, you have to regularly carve out time for exercise and rest. So resting, sleeping well, exercise, those are have to be priorities for you before practicing lagum. Number three, you are all this already because you listen to this show, but you have to respect the planet. You're not excessively wasting resources. Okay, that's precursor three. Number four, you focus on bringing items into your home that are simple but functional. Okay, functional. We've talked about this a lot on the show. Simple but functional. A white couch with kids is not functional. Now, fun fact here, we all know Ikea, right? The well-known Swedish furniture brand. Ikea has an entire line of furniture that's dedicated to lagum. And wouldn't you know, this line of furniture is characterized by simple lines, practicality over aesthetics. So that's lagum at Ikea if you're interested. And then finally, the fifth precursor to practicing lagum, according to Lola Ackerstrom, is you need to be willing to abandon the unattainable goal of perfection. Wow, that is profound, isn't it? There's nothing more frustrating in life than aspiring towards something that's unattainable. Lagab believes that there is beauty to be found in the gray area, in the middle. And when we learn to embrace imperfection, that's where we gain wisdom. All right, so those are the five precursors. We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to apply moderation. We're going to apply lagum to our spending. 
Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we are back on today's show. We are discussing the fact that health, well-being, and success rest on one principle. And that principle is all things in moderation. So we're on to applying moderation, applying lagum to different aspects of our lives. And the first aspect of our life that I wanted to focus on personally was our spending habits. Spending on basics, right? Housing, food, transportation. That's unarguable. We're not talking about those today. What I am talking about is the discretionaries. Moderate. If we're going to apply moderation to spending, that means giving yourself a little leeway. If funds allow, if funds with a DS, if funds allow, so that you can have some fun. Now, I'm covering this, spoiler alert, I'm covering this on the next episode coming out Tuesday. My guest and I, so... My guests are the two hosts of the Frugal Friends podcast, if you listen to it. It's an amazing show, and we have an amazing conversation on Tuesday. But the topic of that conversation is impulse spending and how to curb it. And I don't want to give too much away, but basically, I must say that as a conscious consumer, I tend to shun impulse purchasing. I try to not do it ever ever, like zero. Remember, I'm a zero to 100 type of person. I'm either doing it or I'm not. For me, impulse spending falls into this category. I try to never impulse buy. But then when I'm not perfect, (laughs) when I do fall off the wagon, I tend to feel really darn guilty. So what is moderation in spending for me and perhaps for you too? Moderation in spending 
means that if funds allow for you, funds with a DS, if funds allow, it means giving yourself X amount of dollars every month for fun, whatever fun is for you. Maybe you'll use that money on an experience. Maybe some months you'll buy a thing. Maybe some months you won't even use that money and you'll put it aside and put it in savings, save it for later, save it for something bigger. Who knows? But my point here is that if you're listening to this show, I'm willing to bet you're like me in that you very rarely have fun with money impulsively. You've probably very rarely impulse spend. I'm saying to you that for most of us, that is an unattainable goal of perfection in spending. I'm saying, actually, give yourself a little fun money instead of the extreme of never spending or the other extreme of willy-nilly spending. You will have better financial security. And here's the key. You will release yourself of the guilt you may likely feel when you don't subscribe to your rigid rules. So stay tuned for Tuesday's episode, by the way. It is such a good one. But lagum in spending means giving yourself a little money each month to have some fun. You didn't think I was going to say that, did you? I know I tricked you. (laughs) We are on to lagum in communication. All right. I have a lot of stories today, like like personal stories about me, and I hope that's okay with you. Before I get to my story, let me just say, moderation in interpersonal relationships and interpersonal communication, that is really darn hard for most, if not all of us. The introverts who are listening may likely engage too little, while the extroverts listening, myself included, tend to dominate conversations. All right, so here's the story. I am the world's biggest extrovert. I love talking to everyone, everything. Strangers, brick walls, you name it. (laughs) Historically, I have not worried that much about how I come across when I'm hanging out with other people. I just bust in on the scene like the Kool-Aid man in all my (laughs) extroverted glory. And I assume everyone loves me. That's not an exaggeration. But lately, I'm wondering, wait a minute, am I too much? Am I too much for people? And I probably am. So... Similarly, on the other side of the spectrum, those of us who are quieter, you may feel a need to move toward the middle when communicating with others. Perhaps you revert to saying nothing when you're feeling a bit of social anxiety, or perhaps you don't even attend many social situations out of fear or out of disinterest. So maybe you are like the extroverts listening in the fact that you find yourself wondering, does the person I'm talking to like me? Am I performing well in this conversation? These are natural human concerns, by the way. And so wherever you fall on the introversion to extroversion spectrum, social psychologists have something to say to you about communication so that we all move toward the middle. Now, I have two prevailing rules of thumb for you when you're conversing with another human being. Okay, so the first one, the first rule we're going to talk about is the traffic light rule. I love this. This is so good, and I need to work on it. The traffic light rule. For the first 30 seconds of talking, you've got the green light. For the next 30 seconds, so second 31 to 60, you're in the yellow light. If you're talking for more than 60 seconds, 
You are in the red zone. You need to stop talking and you need to give the other person a chance so that you don't come off like a self-absorbed jerk. Okay, so talk for 30-ish seconds. That's green. Talk for 60 seconds. That's yellow. The chances are increasing that the person you're talking to wishes you'd stop. And then after 60 seconds, red alert. Stop talking. Give the other person a chance to talk. That is the traffic light rule of communication. It's not made up by me. It's made up by a psychologist. And then the second rule of thumb is the 30-50 rule of communication. In a two-person conversation, talk slightly less than half the time. So 30 to 50% of the conversation, talk. The rest should be active listening. That is my new goal. Talk less. (laughs) Talk 30 to 50% of the time. I'm going to try it. So those are two tips to help you manage your interpersonal communication. We're going to take another quick ad break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about balance in our emotions and balance in our home's appearance. And we're back. We're discussing the key to a balanced life, which of course is moderation. Before the break, we discussed moderation in spending and moderation in interpersonal communication. Next up, we're talking about moderation with our emotions. Now let's precursor this by saying in the Western world, there are societal forces at play. Girls, females, tend to be implicitly taught from a young age that anger is an undesirable feminine trait. Similarly, males are implicitly told that sadness, crying, outward emotional displays also display weakness. And so many of us, we tend to suppress what's undesirable. But such suppression is effectively living in an extreme. When you suppress emotions, you are on one end of the spectrum. Now, this is not Stephanie saying this. This is psychologists saying this. Humans are meant to experience a full spectrum of emotions. Psychologists also argue that you will have a more meaningful and engaging life if you tap into the full range of your emotions, including the ones that you may or may not feel are socially undesirable. Now let's talk about anger for a minute. If you identify as a female and you're listening right now and anger suppression is something that you regularly do, know that, of course, while suppressing that anger may not be healthy, becoming belligerent and going all out is not necessarily healthy either. So it's not that we should never suppress anger. It's that we should temper it. It's that we should go more to the middle. Because when you fully suppress your emotions, studies have found that whatever whatever emotion you're suppressing, anger, sadness, grief, frustration, whatever the emotion is, suppressing it can lead to physical stress on your body. Now, if anybody in my personal life is listening right now, I'm sure they would argue that I'm not one to suppress my emotions. (laughs) Surprise to no one. I feel all my emotions. I feel happiness, anger, whatever the emotion is, I feel and I express them boldly. But that said, if I'm going to truly explore my emotional range, 
which is, of course, what I'm suggesting to you today, I must say that sadness or melancholy, that feeling scares me for some reason. I'm not afraid of my anger, but for some reason, I do shy away from being sad. It's like, oh, there's a little twinge of sadness coming. Don't go there. Don't fall into that hole, Stephanie. Let's pick ourselves up. Now, despite I know I'm saying this despite the fact that I know that in moderate, I cognitively know that in moderate amounts, feeling sad is completely normal, completely healthy. But so what do I tend to do? When I tend to get sad or depressed, I immediately reflexively have a knee-jerk reaction to pick myself up somehow. Don't go down that melancholy hole, right? So go for a run and get the endorphins kicking or reach for some wine because wine tends to make me feel better. But if I'm going to take my own advice here and feel a range of emotions, not suppress anything, I need to get comfortable with feeling sad. I need to sit with that sadness, sit in that sadness, because doing so will likely teach me something about myself. So just to recap, when we talk moderation in terms of our emotions, we all know when we're on the extreme of feeling an emotion too much, right? Too much anger is belligerence. Too much sadness is depression. And when we tend to get on that side of the spectrum, we tend to get professional help, or hopefully we get professional help, right? So for this one, when it comes to moderation and emotions, if you are an emotion suppressor, which most of us are, even I'm an emotion suppressor, If you're an emotion suppressor, I want you to get comfortable moving a little bit more towards the middle, towards the gray area, to feel the full range of human emotions. Okay, we are on to our last category today, and that is your home's appearance. So I'm talking about the tidiness level of your home, how much you clean, how much you declutter, all those things. We all want our homes to feel attractive and comfy and home-like, right? But there is too much of a good thing, as we've discussed today. We can devote too much time, too much money, too much of our mental space to creating the perfect, most beautiful, most tidiest house. There is a gigantic gray area between having a home that should be on the show Hoarders and having a home that should be in a crate and barrel catalog. So for this one, I'm asking you to ask yourself, what is good enough? Studies show that clutter and mess can have detrimental effects on our stress and anxiety levels. How much clutter and mess can you handle is appropriate for your home before it impacts your mental health. Clutter has also been found to increase family tension. How much clutter is acceptable in your home without it creating fights amongst you and your spouse or you and your kids, etc.? Untidy spaces have been found to increase mental loads of the person who's generally in charge of household maintenance. In many homes, that tends to be the woman. Despite the fact that it's 2022 and it's not 1950, don't even get me started. (laughs) But how much stuff can your home hold without your mental load going to that overwhelming place? Remember that overwhelming mental loads are linked with feelings of distress and emptiness and lowered life satisfaction. So how much mess is acceptable? 
Minimalist podcasts and blogs and influencers and social media accounts, we are all guilty of the same thing. This show, I'm including, is also guilty of this, and that is touting the extreme. We tend to veer towards the crate and barrel catalog side of the home spectrum, don't we? But there is indeed a perfectly adequate middle ground where we can all live quite happily. Now, I will say, when I first found minimalism eight-ish years ago, I went to the extreme. (laughs) Surprise to no one. But over the years, my expectations of tidiness have definitely lowered. Maybe it's because I'm growing wiser, but it's more likely because I'm older and more tired. (laughs) I've learned that my home does not need to be picture perfect all the time. There is a difference for me between being tidy and being easily tidied. And that is the gift that minimalism gives me. My home isn't tidy all the time, but it is always easily tidied. Just this weekend, another quick story. This is the last story, I promise. But just this past weekend, my younger daughter had a play date with a new friend. And so a new family. I did want to present a good first impression to this new family, this potential new friend for me even. And so it, it was a last minute play date. And when we made the plans, my house wasn't tidy, not at all. And because, you know, we were coming off of a weekend with, with the kids home, destroying every area. But for me, in when it comes to home things, moderation means that 90% of the time my house is not looking perfect because, again, what am I losing by spending so much mental energy working towards the extreme of a crate and barrel looking home? So it's not perfect, but it's easily tidied. It takes me 15 minutes tops to tidy my house. That is is house moderation for me these days, and it is acceptable. It is me living boldly, happily in the gray area. And so I ask you too, when it comes to your home, what's good enough? What's good enough? Now, my final word for you today is that when we think about moderation, we often think about not overdoing something. So not eating so much, not drinking so much, not working so much, right? Because when we overdo activities, that overdoing will likely have a negative impact on the future. I think about cigarette smoking. It's not one cigarette that's going to lower your quality of life. It's the accumulation of overdoing the smoking over a lifetime that's going to create those negative health consequences. So oftentimes when we think of moderation, we immediately think about doing less of something, not overdoing it. But today I want you to expand your thinking about moderation by first asking yourself, what are you underdoing? What are you not doing enough? What can you do slightly more of to reach the middle? When we think about personal growth, it's important to remember that when we start integrating the areas of our lives that we've traditionally put on the back burner, that we've traditionally given the least amount of attention, that's when and that's where real growth happens. Phew. Show notes are at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 316. 
if you like these, so I'm on a new kick, by the way. Maybe you've noticed I'm on a new kick of doing these personal growth episodes. If you like them, let me know. If you hate them, let me know. You can reach out to me. Ways to do that are also in the show notes. I will see you on Tuesday where we are talking about curbing impulse spending. I'll see you then. I love and appreciate each and every one of you. Have an amazing weekend and take care. Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to $200 in fee-free overdraft with a Chime checking account. Sign up today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.